0: ears to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, as we began to look at the downfall of Samson in Judges chapter 16, verses 1 through 30, we see that Samson lived for himself. He lived for his own pleasure. He took life lightly. He made a joke out of his vow with the Lord and to the point when Delilah betrayed him for money. We see the jokes that he played on her and the mocking that ensued that ultimately led to his downfall. And we read in the text, in verse 20 of chapter 16, and she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground in the mill in prison, but the hair of his head began to grow again, for he had been shaved. And as we saw, the man, Samson, who lived for himself, who found victory in his own might, as he did not acknowledge the Lord, he lived for his own pride, he lived for his own pleasure. What Samson saw, he took. Samson judged Israel and defeated the Philistines, and yet in the amount of time, Even though he had burned their grain, in the end he was taken as a a captive and he was forced to grind the grain in the mill. As the one who lived for his own pleasure and what he saw he took for himself, his eyes were gouged out. Now to suffer alone in the darkness and toil and strive in fear and in loss and alone. As we come to the end of this chapter, we see that God is still at work. God's patience patience is going again and again in his people God is the one at work God is the one who will deliver his people We do things selfishly so much in our own lives and this is one of the things we must take from the book of judges we can be some we can become so full of ourselves and so prideful and puffed up and forget the one who is really in control I hope that we would not wait till the end like Samson where we, Finally, have, once we have lost everything, we come to the end ourse- of ourselves and then cry out to God, as we'll see tonight, but rather take the warning from Scripture time and time again, we'll go back to the Lord and say, He's the one in control. We saw this last week, and I think it's worth remembering. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 and 12, we read these words. Now these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And that's exactly what happened in the life of Samson. He left his life unguarded and unchecked as he lived for himself, and great was his fall. As we look at his life, the book of Judges is coming to a close. And will and the nation of Israel will have other judges, but we don't see them again till the book of 1 Samuel. With this final judge in this book, we see that out of all God's judges, he gives a great amount of time to Samson. And Samson is the first who is actually defeated physically on this earth. Many of the other judges had victories, although morally they fell in other ways. They eventually died out. But Samson was actually captured. This cycle of sin has been repeated time and time again. That through the Israel's history, the people rebel, that God becomes angry with them, God delivers them to be oppressed by an enemy. The people cry out. God brings salvation through a judge. There is a time of peace, and then that judge dies. We see at the end of chapter 15 that Samson judged Israel 20 years, but it wasn't a very glorious time. Samson's life reminds us that we need to be obedient to God, the one who we worship ultimately in all things, For Samson did not live that way. What we see in verse 20 of chapter 16 is that after Samson has awoken and been deceived and betrayed by Delilah, he says, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But we read these words, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Some of the saddest words we can read in this book that God has finally judged him for his sin and he has seized And his fall is great. So we read these words, beginning in verse 23 tonight. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. And they said, Our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their god. For they said, Our god has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson, that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about three thousand men and women who looked on. While Samson entertained. Though Samson had fallen, we learn from this text who the true Savior of Israel is. The victory and deliverance of God's people was from God himself. Samson, who had been mighty, became weak. God's strength had been displayed through Samson's life to show who really was the Mighty One of Israel. We see here this contrast taking place that Samson, who had thought himself so strong, has now become humiliated, ultimately weak. And God is going to display his might and his strength through Samson. Much time has passed, how much we don't know, between verses 22 and 23, because as he left grinding at the mill, it says the hair of his head began to grow again. How long he had been a slave, the text does not tell us. But by verse 23... It can't be too far later because the Philistines are still celebrating their victory over Samson. They call him the ravager of their country, the one who's brought torment. He's killed over a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. He's caught foxes, tied them their tails together, set a burning stick between them and set them loose through the grain fields, which in my mind would just be a sight to behold. I wonder how you catch that many foxes and tie them together. But again... It's God's might working through Samson. All along, as Samson was supposed to be this Nazarite, although he did not uphold the vow, God was patient with him. Samson's strength was not found in his hair. It was not found in the things he did. It was found with the Lord his God as a Nazarite. Samson broke that vow time and time again. He was, Nazarite was not supposed to touch anything dead or unclean, and yet he killed a lion and touched its carcass. He was not supposed to defile himself with foreign women, and yet we saw time and time again that's exactly what he did. When Samson's head is finally shaven, God doesn't go, well, he shaved his head, I guess I'll take away his strength. But it was the last straw. There is no more vow to keep. Every point of it has been broken, and now he's ultimately weak. Samson has been captured, he's humiliated, and now the Philistines try to find a time to party. They celebrate. Their victory has come, although it would be brief. They praise their god, Dagon, for their victory. Samson has become their slave, he's become their entertainment, he's gone from grinding in the mill to being laughed at. And as we know from his life, how great and mighty he was, we see how ultimately Humiliated he is. Dagon, this Canaanite god or deity of the Philistines, is a god of agriculture. He was the main god of the Philistines. And interestingly enough, his name means grain. Samson was the one who was trying to defeat them, bring victory. He even burned their fields of grain. They called him the ravager of Israel and now they set up their god Dagon in their temple or in this house, this large house, and they bring him in for entertainment. Dagon their God has defeated him. And as we see from the text it's a it's a mighty big place. Samson is being led around, he asks to be supported by the pillars, and just to even begin to fathom this, that as we see in verse twenty six, that there were about three thousand men and women and they were on the roof of this house. Interestingly enough, archaeologists have discovered in a place in Israel, in Tel Quesel, a Philistine temple during the times of the judges dated back then, that the whole building has been discovered. And not only that, but there were two large pillars in the center of this temple. That these things took place and God was going to bring his judgment upon them and deliver his people. And in this text, we read that Samson speaks. We hear his words. We haven't, we haven't heard from him since he said, I will go out and shake myself free as time before. But now he's reduced to a slave. And in verse 26, we read these words. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean on them. Samson, the mighty one, Samson, the strong one, has become weak he has indeed become weak as any other man. Just as he had taunted Delilah, well, if you, if you bind me with these ropes, if you weave my hair in, I'll become weak as any other man. We saw that last week. He took life lightly. He took God's commands lightly. And now he really is weak. He needed help from a young boy. He is totally dependent. And he became the Philistines' trophy for thousands gathered to celebrate and rejoice And interestingly enough, it also tells us that the lords of the Philistines are there. We saw them last week as well. These lords of the Philistines, we don't know how many there were, but they came to Delilah and they said, Betray him. Seduce him. Let us find out where his great strength lies and we will each pay you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's quite a lot of money. And now they are gathered there. So we see God is orchestrating these things. God is the true and righteous judge. Samson is defeated, but God is going to use him. Thousands are gathered in celebration. Their God, Dagon, is there, and all the leaders of the Philistines are there. It's almost as you see, like a chessboard. The stage is set, the pieces are in place, and God is going to do a work as only He can do. So they celebrate. The Philistines cry out, they say, Our God has given him into our hands. And yet God is the judge who will bring punishment and vengeance on his people for their sin. It is not the power of the gods of the nations that allow them to overcome Israel, but God displaying his mighty power time and time again. We learn through the life of Samson that though he is weak, God is the one who is strong. That though he is full of himself and so prideful, became so dependent, we learn that God is the one who delivers Israel. Samson learned that the hard way. May, not, may that not be true of us. May we learn from our weakness. May we learn how to depend on God for strength. Though we not become so full of ourselves and so prideful, But we take the warning from Scripture and say, Lord, you are the one who's Lord of my life. You are the one who's in control. And sadly, too many people wait till the end, and it's too late. Life full of regret. But Samson, even in his weakness, displays the mighty power of God at work. We read these words in verse 28. Then Samson called on the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the middle, the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lords and upon all the people who were in it, so the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. Then his brothers and all the family came down and took took him and brought him and buried him between Zora and Eshtel, in the tomb of Manoah his father. He had judged Israel. 20 years reading just from the life of Samson it seems rather bleak and sad and yet when we look at it seeing God as the true and righteous judge we see what a victory it is in the end Samson wanted revenge for his humiliation but ultimately in the end God avenged his people as the true and righteous judge God is going to display his might and his victory over the god of the Philistines which is no god in comparison to our God. Samson calls on the Lord. Samson prays. And from what we see in the whole narrative of the book of Judges and the life of Samson, this is only the second time he calls on the Lord. The first time was in chapter 15. After he defeated a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, he cries out. He says, Lord, I thirst. Judges chapter 15, 18 and 19. His first prayer that we even read about is a very selfish prayer. He's thirsty, he's quenched, he's won a victory, and God provides. And even now, this second time, he cries out. He says, Lord, please remember me. Please strengthen me this once more. And he also adds that I may be avenged for my two eyes. Samson's still focusing a bit on himself, even at the last. And yet, whether it was crying out for water or for his eyes, God heard his prayer, though for the first time and finally it would seem that Samson has some faith in the Lord. As we'll see in a minute, this is what makes the most sense in light of Hebrews chapter 11. He cries out, O Lord, his final plea, please avenge me for the loss of his sight. One commentator says that the Lord makes no comment, Scripture gives us no comment on his motives for saying his eyes. Yet God, in his grace, answers this prayer and allows Samson to kill the enemies of Israel. Samson's final request then it goes like this. After he has placed his hand, his right hand, and his left hand on one, it says in verse 30, And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. God hears his requests. His great humiliation is too much for him to bear. Let me die with the Philistines. God hears this request, and he is ready, and once again ready to display his power in the life of Samson. God brings a victory to his people through the life of Samson from their oppressors. We need to remind ourselves that although this wasn't a total victory, a total deliverance, as the Israelites would face the Philistines time and time again. In the coming years, under the leadership of Eli, Samuel, Saul, and David, before we really see the end of them. And yet, even now, God is at work. He brings the victory, as only he can do. God's victory through Samson, by bringing the house down upon them, killed more in his death than in his life. Which I find fascinating that we read in verse 27, that there were about 3,000 men and women, and they were up on the roof of the house. He didn't just kill 3,000 men and women. He killed, the text tells us, if you want to have a perspective of what's taking place, that's how many are on the roof, plus all the lords of the Philistines, plus however many are in the house. And the text tells us he bowed with all his strength, and he killed them. And he killed more in his death than in his life. Samson's final act of vengeance is displayed. Samson's prayer reveals a motive for vengeance, however, by his trust in the Lord to renew his strength as he prays, O oh Lord, remember me and strengthen me. His, str- his strength is renewed. Samson proves that the glory belongs to the Lord by his death, trusting in him to be the one to avenge his people. The Philistine dag- God Dagon, from a human perspective, has been defeated. The lords of the Philistines have been defeated. One commentator says, Samson killed many when he died, including the supposed god Dagon. Then he killed while he lived. The victory is unquestionably God's. Even though it is achieved through Samson's death, Samson's faith is clearly evident. And this is why the author of Hebrews includes him in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith. God has humbled him, God has displayed his strength. God has brought deliverance as only he can do. Verse 31, Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him, brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. God's faithfulness, God's patience is displayed time and time again and we see through the book of judges in the life of these men who failed time and time again who's the true and righteous god who's the true and righteous judge they found them, the israelites found themselves in this predicament because they had sinned against god and god in his providence and his sovereignty delivered them into their enemies and yet god delivered them because god is faithful He is not faithless. He does not go back on his word. Let us learn through the life of Samson of his weakness, of his humility. Let us not wait till the end like Samson to trust in the Lord, but trust in him now. Say, Lord, you are the one who's in control. You are the one who brings the victory. You're the one who provides the strength. It is not me. It is not in my own achievements. It's not what I think I'm able to do or accomplish. It's ultimately in the Lord. God has a way of humbling us to teach us about how great he is. God has a way of humbling us to remind us who's in control. God has a way of humbling us to teach us to trust him. Although Samson's life ended in tragedy, God used him to accomplish a deliverance for Israel in the time of the Philistines, when everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. But let us not end on that. Let us turn to Hebrews chapter 11 as we come to a close and be reminded of these words. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. That as we come to the end of discussing the judges, Hebrews is going to tell us about some of them because the rest of the book of Judges is a few closing remarks on just how wicked and sinful And lost, God's people are. Because God is doing a work in their days. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, tells us this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was was not made of things that are visible. And then jumping down, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. As Samson prays and asks the Lord in Judges chapter 16, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may avenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. And the writer of Hebrews tells us, look at the faith of these who have gone by, for time does not allow for me to tell of Gideon, Barak, and Samson. And even in verse 34, we read these words, were made strong out of weakness. Such was the life of Samson. Verse 39 of Hebrews chapter 11. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What has God provided? He's provided himself. He's provided strength for his deliverance from sin through his son, Jesus Christ. The judge of his people, the deliverer, the savior of his people, and the best victor we've ever had. Let us not look to ourselves. Let us not look to our own pride and selfishness as Samson did. Let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us look to the one who delivered his people ultimately. Let us enjoy reading in the Old Testament, in the midst of tragedy, and be reminded of God's strength, of his might, and his faithfulness displayed time and time again. Some people shake their heads and wonder, how in the world is Samson mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 for all that he did? And when he was ultimately humiliated, humbled, weak, like any other man, he hits rock bottom, the one who lived for himself and what he saw, who lost his eyes, the one who burned up the Philistine's grain and was forced to grind grain in the mill, finally cried out, O Lord God, please remember me and strengthen me this once more. May our prayer be for God to strengthen us because Jesus is the one in control, not us. Let us go to the Lord and confess our pride, our selfishness, our arrogance, and say, Lord, you are the one who we trust. You are the one who's ultimately in control. Thank you, Lord, for everything you have done to provide salvation, to free us from sin and the wrath of God. Let us pray together. Father God, I pray that as we have looked at the life of Samson, I pray, Father God, that we would take these things to heart in such a way that we would be reminded of how mighty you are, of how good you are, the true and righteous God, the true judge of your people. You are just, Father God, and we give you the thanks that you have judged sin. You have brought victory through your son, Jesus Christ. Teach us to trust you through our weakness. Teach us to trust you and depend on you through our humility. Thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness that is displayed time and time again. We give you the praise for all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.